You're listening to a podcast from STI. So this is King Holmes, and we're talking with uh, Patricia Garcia. Uh, Dr. Garcia is a dean of the School of Public Health at uh, Universidad Peruana Cayetano Heredia in Peru. And she's the regional director for the IUSTI in Latin America and the Caribbean, which has formed an organization called OLAC uh, to uh, deal with HIV and other STDs. And uh, Patty, uh, you did a survey in preparation for this article in part uh, that was in uh, the journal Sexually Transmitted Infections. Tell us a little bit about the survey, particularly if you have some insights beyond what's in the article itself. Yeah. Well, one of the objectives of this association, ALAC, or Mm -hmm. ALAC ITS, Mm -hmm. um, is to work together with the different countries in the region, in the Latin American region and the Caribbean region, uh, towards understanding better what is going on with SDIs and developing interventions, and sharing experiences and lessons, because we are we we feel that there are similarities between our countries. But one of the things that we realize is that we didn't know very much about what was going on in our con- in our region. So we decided... This is the first survey I've actually seen in Latin America, so it was quite Yeah, with, with the idea of, of trying to understand what was um, going on, especially within the services that were given in, in STIs. So um, a group of us uh, within ALAC, we, we sent an email to the national STI programs of um, 20 countries in the region and uh, with the idea of collecting all the information. And um, there is such an enormous amount of information that we have collected regarding with uh, epidemiological data, how the programs are working, what are the kind of things that we have addressed, and what are the things that we still need to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, who takes care of STDs in Latin America? Well, you know, in, in Europe and parts of Asia, it's mainly dermatovenereologists. What's it like? In- in Latin America. Well, I think that's one of the interesting things. In Latin America, it's not only the dermatovenereologists. I think probably those are the, the smallest proportion of all the practitioners. What we have in Latin America are infectious diseases doctors, general practitioners, and even other professionals like midwives or male midwives that are mm-hmm. taking care of uh, these diseases, which means that we are giving much more access to people to professionals that can deal with their diseases. Mm-hmm. Another thing which I think is quite interesting is that uh, syndromic management has been taken almost universally in our region. Although um, the uptake of it as a policy mm-hmm. had differed between the different countries, right now everybody is accepting syndromic management and is using it. Yeah, so that's interesting. I would imagine that. Uh uh, one of the important aspects of the IUSTI there is that um, because you don't have a lot of dermatovenereologists, uh, but rather a whole group of different types of doctors doing this uh, and, and health professionals, it may be harder to bring them together uh, to work together uh, uh, than it would be in Europe where you have dermatovenereologists who come together for their conferences because they're united through their societies and so on. So what has it been like? let's say both in the Portuguese-speaking part of uh, Latin America and the Spanish-speaking part, in uh, bringing people together who are uh, particularly interested in STDs and what is IUSD doing for that? Well, um, I think in a sense they were all uh, sharing the interest on STIs, so it was not that difficult to bring them all together. And actually, ALACITS or ALAC, uh, 
from the very beginning, uh, it was formed thinking not only to include doctors, but to include all those specialists that were interested interest in on SDIs. So we do have within our members um, also communicators, anthropologists. We have right now about 1,300 and more because our association is growing, mm -hmm. uh, professionals that are working in different areas of STIs and uh, and they are coming from different groups of interest. Mm -hmm. um, regarding the issues of language around our region, of course, I mean, we have most of us are speaking Spanish. We have a big country that is Brazil that speaks Portuguese, but we communicate very well. I mean, we share lots of things and we can communicate. Now, one of I think one of the challenges that we have is how can we involve more countries in the Caribbean? We have a few of them, the ones that speak Spanish, but we need still to involve some, the ones that are speaking English. But I think we're towards that point. Mm -hmm. And um, Wikipedia classifies the Caribbean as North America. But in the political, <laughs> in the geopolitical sense, they really are uh, more part of uh, Latin America than they are part of North America. I yeah, think. I think so. I think we share lots of things, even the way we are. I mean, we're always happy and... And the Pan-American Health Organization, even though we're here, <laughs> the Pan-American Health Organization includes both the Caribbean and Central America and uh, South America and its uh, purview. Yep. So, um, where do people actually go to get uh, their... STDs taken care of. Uh. Well, there is a lot of data nowadays, especially from uh, developing countries, and uh, Brazil has done it, Ecuador has done it, Mexico, and we in Peru have done that too, that uh, probably people go to seek care initially at pharmacies or mm -hmm. traditional healers or these informal care systems that You've are available. You've done some studies on that yourself, right? Yes, we have done studies that have shown that probably the, the proportion of people that go to pharmacies compared with the people that go to to private practitioners and the public sector are 100 to 10 to 1, which is an interesting uh, proportion. Mm. And um, so, and, and we have gone even further studying if we can do something to include the pharmacy workers um, that not always are really the trained people or pharmacists, as you can imagine. If you can involve them in, in capturing these these patients and giving them good management or even create a referral system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have um, published some studies that show that yes, you can, that they are interested on being trained, that they can get trained and you can improve their practices and you can create also a network for referral, uh, including private physicians, which are also the second most common people visited for uh, management of SDIs. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that in your work, uh, you found that the uh, uh, Providers from pharmacies uh, initially managed things very poorly, didn't follow national guidelines, uh, but that after uh, regularized training that uh, actually the pharmacy schools began to take up the kinds of training that you were doing and that uh, performance of the uh, pharmacy workers, not just pharmacists, but the others who were hired there, improved tremendously. Can you say a few words about that? Yeah, and we have um, we have evaluated that improvement of the performance using simulated patients, mm -hmm. which uh, were people that were trained um, to go to a pharmacy, act as if they were having a an STD, and then they were recording on a standardized form uh, what they were recommended. And actually, yes, it was significantly different after they were trained. Uh, there was a difference on how these simulated patients were managed mm -hmm. before training and after training. But another thing which is interesting is that um, in the baseline evaluation, the pharmacies were 
were um, doing the same type of recommendations that the private physicians were giving to the uh, people with STIs. So, because probably these pharmacies initially were learning how to handle STI patients, looking at the at the prescriptions that they were right. getting from the primary uh, from the private physicians. So we also went on creating um, training materials for physicians. And even we have recently published an article that has to do with uh, an online training course based on case studies mm -hmm. for private physicians. And also we have another one for midwives that I said are, are another group that are very important on, on the management of SDI. It is interesting that in the UK, for example, uh, they have developed training programs to essentially credential pharmacists to dispense uh, some antimicrobials. And in the States, that's happening uh, increasingly, and that uh, pharmacy workers are being uh, uh, certified to do uh, expedited partner therapy, uh, where the uh, antimicrobials uh, that are given for gonorrhea and chlamydia, for example, are, are being dispensed directly from pharmacies now uh, in many of the states in the U.S. that have approved that. Anything like that? Well, I guess I guess now that we have um, documented that pharmacies have a very important role for STIs and for other diseases, mm -hmm. and that they can be trained and they can improve their practices, I think the next step is that we will need to deal with some regulations within our own countries. Right. I mean, the same way you in developing in developed countries have done. So it's I think it's interesting that in Chile, uh, about twenty years ago, because of concerns of overprescribing of antimicrobials, they began to enforce the existing rules that precluded antimicrobial pharmacy prescribing. Peru, you took the opposite approach and trained pharmacy workers to do it. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes up. Let me change the subject slightly. And uh, you've done a lot of interesting work with uh, rapid syphilis testing, uh, particularly in antenatal clinics. And uh, say a little bit about that. It sounds to, to me that it's a fairly revolutionary approach you've been taking. Yeah, well, this was part of a seven-country uh, trial um, that was um, whose PI was uh, Rosanna Peeling and was funded through uh, WHO and the Gates Foundation. Mm -hmm. So the idea was to try to use the point-of-care diagnostics, the rapid syphilis test, as a catalyzer for improvements in the in in the management of women, but also as a way of uh, improving the um, the screening of women to prevent congenital syphilis. So two countries in Latin America have been part of this. One was uh, Brazil, and they work with uh, native Indian populations. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we work with uh, maternal health, basically. This was in the Amazon jungle. Yeah, they did in, 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 in areas where before, for Brazil, was in areas where before there was no screening for mm -hmm. these indigenous people. And it was very well taken, and eventually it has become a policy for the country because they were supposed to do something for that people. And with the rapid test, they can get where before no other test could have gotten. In our case, what we did is um, we still have a problem with um, congenital syphilis. And we still have uh, rates between 1% to 2% of um, uh, uh, maternal syphilis. Although we do have a policy to have uh, every woman screen for free, and the treatment is quite cheap, which is penicillin. So um, the idea was to introduce the rapid test, but actually before introducing the rapid test, we kind of like understood what was going on, and we realized that the system 
um, somehow got very complicated and for a woman to complete their first antenatal visit she had to go six times in 27 days to complete the testing and as you can imagine um, several of these people will not complete that via crucis, which is like the suffering of God, right, <laughs> of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's what they were suffering. So we work together with the authorities, with the health providers, etc., and make them understood that we have to change that. And we move the testing for syphilis and the rapid HIV testing at the first monument of the contact with the women. And actually, we increase the, um, the access uh, for the uh, screening to almost 100%. And it was so successful that we were able also to treat women right in that moment and increase also the, the rate of the partner treatment because at least on the first visit, usually, if, if this was the first baby, the partner will come with the women. Mm -hmm. And um, so we went on this pilot study that proved also that you can have good sensitivity, specificity. It was cost-effective. We did a study for cost-effectiveness. It was much more cost-effective than using the RPR. and. Um, and in very in a very short time, almost in ten months, we were able to go from this implementation project into policy. So now it's policy in the country to use um, this rapid test. And as I understand it, this rapid this uh, adoption of the policy for doing rapid testing for syphilis has been adopted in all seven other countries. Yes, yes, so that's, that's China true. And, and Africa and Latin America. Yes. Yes, and actually what we are doing right now is we're trying to help through ALAC, also the other Latin American countries, sharing our the lessons learned, and we have created even an online course on congenital syphilis and the use of rapid syphilis tests. So we have learned how to train in an effective way, how to implement a quality control system for rapid tests, and how to train trainers and trying to maintain a system. So that's the other thing that we're doing, moving from the implementation in the country into the region. So that's another goal that we're trying to address through ALAC right now. So in Peru, coming to more on Peru specifically, uh, you were involved for the National AIDS and STD program for several years in implementing uh, clinical programs. As I understand it, you were able to set up uh, clinics in a large number of cities throughout the country or support pre-existing clinics. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, well, for um, for some time um, in, in Peru and in several of the Latin American countries, we have been having these venereal clinics, mm -hmm. right, that were directed towards female sex workers. What we did in Peru with a group at the National uh, STD program is to try to approach these clinics in a much more um, comprehensive way, offering STD screening promotion of condoms um, and information for female sex workers initially. And we also started, in a way, a program um, offering uh, services for males, for uh, men having sex with men. So do most cities with populations of, let's say, 50,000 have clinics like this for... All of them at this point in for the country. FSW for For female sex workers, in the 24 regions in the mm -hmm. country, we have these clinics and we have two levels, ones that are very comprehensive mm -hmm. and, and the others that are trying to give more access and, uh, and may do not all the tests that the, the big ones do that are called serets. Mm -hmm. okay? um, and one more question. Yes. Since we have short time left, uh, it's my uh, impression that uh, uh, transmission of HIV and syphilis uh, in uh, Africa uh, is predominantly heterosexual, although certainly uh, other risk groups are important, uh, uh, for example, in MSM and IDUs. 
but it's my impression that in Latin America, uh, both in Brazil and in the other parts of the region, uh, uh, transmission among MSM is much more uh, prevalent than it has been uh, in Africa. Now, maybe you don't feel comfortable with the comparisons across regions, but what is it like in, uh, in Latin America now? Yeah, I, I, w I will agree completely with you. I think they, um, that probably the main uh, transmission is driven by uh, men having sex with men. Mm -hmm. And I think although we have been doing um, in some of our countries some work with uh, MSM, mm -hmm. and uh, especially with some higher risk groups like male sex workers, I th still think that we have to do some more. I mean, we have been working on this uh, prevent study um, with mobile teams for female sex workers and for male sex workers around the country. But I think this is something that has to be um, shared between uh, our region and try to see how can we really reach this very important group and uh, for last, transmission. My last question, as we run out of time, is uh, tell us about the first Latin America IUSTI Congress, which was held uh, last May in Curitiba in Brazil. Was well, it successful? It was a very successful meeting. Um, as you said, it was. Um, it happened in uh, Curitiba in Brazil. Uh, we have uh, more than uh, about about 2,500 2, people coming from all Brazil and from 20 different countries of Latin America. Uh, the main topic was women and STDs. We have international speakers and uh, we hope uh, that we will have another very successful meeting for by 2014 mm -hmm. together with IOSTI Latin America and we invite all Latin American people and people from all the world to participate. Excellent. Thank you very much, Patty. Thank you, King. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com. <laughs>